Yo, what's up? This is Tribe. That is Bias. And as you can see right now, the Sports Bag Bros podcast is on the air. This is episode number 38. So as it goes, if you've missed the previous episodes, well, that's your problem. That's your fault. And we have nothing to do with it. But you're here with us right now for the conversational sports. And that's what we're here for. So we don't procrastinate. We don't tell you a whole bunch of nonsense before we get into what we come to talk about. But we're doing that right now. Bias, let them know what we're talking about today. Hey, just a quick intro. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, Trav mentioned if you miss past shows, you can find us on uh, Spotify. You listen to to past shows. Um, our shows are usually less than an hour, 45 minutes to 55 minutes for the most part. So, you know, give us a look. I mean, a listen or watch us on YouTube. Let's get into it. Yeah, by the way, I think this is episode number 39. Regardless, the numbers don't matter. Well, they really do if you haven't watched us. But nevertheless, the show must go on. And by the way, if you haven't listened to the show or if you have listened to the show, we have Bias's hit list coming towards the end of the show. So make sure you stand by and wait for the rant. I'm sure it's going to be something you may be interested in. Look at the clips. Go to the playlist and check out the rant from just yesterday. And you'll see what we're talking about. There will be. I was a little unhinged stuff. yesterday. Oh, I guess oh, it was unhinged. the first. It was the first one, so I, I worked myself up while I was talking. Yeah, it was the first <laughs> one on record because I get to hear it a little bit earlier. That's the reason why it's a thought, and now it's a thing now on the Sports Bag Bros podcast. But as we said, getting into the sports world, we already know what it's all about. I mean, college football, the college football world, isn't what we thought it once was. We're going to get into some NFL just as much, and we'll continue to just talk about all the sports that are important right now. Going back to that college football um, realignment, I mean, it's a thing. It's real, and it's is it destroying college football, or should we be uh, happy that these great teams are all getting together, and they eventually will have to schedule one another, not just have to wait until the championship game to see these teams play one another? Uh, I'm I'm sure it's good and bad. If if you're a powerhouse or you're a fan of a powerhouse school, and let's say you, you're you follow the SEC, Oklahoma, Texas coming to town now, yep. when when that probably hasn't happened very often, or if you're following a team in the Big Ten, you got USC and UCLA coming. And in a few years, a couple years, whatever, you got Washington and Oregon coming. You know, those are two two schools who usually don't make it out to the Midwest too often or Midwest teams or even East Coast teams. Now, you know, Rutgers and Penn State, they don't always make it out to the West Coast. So there's an opportunity for fans to uh, make travel plans or see teams come to town who, who they haven't seen before. But if you're one of the – the weaker teams is life's going to get a whole lot more difficult because you're going to have stronger teams. Um, it's just going to be a whole lot rougher. You, you, you're going to have to up your game to, to contend or even be competitive. Yeah. You know, you have that in the sec with Vanderbilt being that bottom of rung team in the sec every year, every now and then they kind of poke their head out and make somewhat of a threat, but they're never going to be a perennial threat. In the SEC, in the Big Ten, you have a team which is also academically stable and one of the elite institutions. We've spoken about them more in the pejorative, but Northwestern is one of those schools that is kind of middling, but most times it's not. 
is probably in the lower rung of Big Ten teams. And now with 18 teams in the Big Ten, well, it doesn't make sense. 18 teams in the Big Ten, <laughs> Northwestern is probably going to get the even worse end of the stick, let alone the things that are happening now outside of football that may make it less desirable to go there for football or other sport for that matter. Academically, people will still show up depending on how this thing looks. But nevertheless, we're talking all of this realignment and <clears throat> the Big Ten taking apart the Pac-12. The Pac-12 had four teams remaining. That's pretty much defunct now, depending on what they can do to salvage the rest of those teams. If it goes by some of these news stories where uh, some Pac-12 team that are remaining may end up with the ACC or the ACC form some type of alliance. I don't see how that really works, but I mean, that's crazy. Big, if I can just interject right quick, yeah, you have California teams in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> California teams? The Pacific is now in the Atlantic, and you're still hanging on to the Atlantic name. I mean, it's well, it's ridiculous. And I was saying, <laughs> why did we go through school all of these years, even in high school, talking about? geography where geography doesn't even matter in college we don't need it anymore get rid of geography do we really need it i mean kids nowadays they have google maps and whatnot so. and still getting lost <laughs> <laughs> come on now you call them to the front of the class and point to their home state they're pointing to like something different i mean that's just how it is sometimes yeah. but with these teams these college teams playing the way they are and as rick Matino mentioned and as mentioned yesterday he was talking about the basketball side of it, where there are a lot more games played. You know, it's going to be a logistic nightmare for them. And he said that you should separate basketball from football. And it does make sense. I wonder, will someone take heed, someone in charge, and listen to him? That may save them a lot of money. Yeah, or maybe they'll play on neutral sites, you know, maybe Nebraska. Maybe it's not quite in the middle, but it's not like traveling all the way from Rutgers to to Oregon or, or Washington, you know, or vice versa. I mean, look, I feel bad for what's going on with the Pac-12 and, well, what used to be the Pac-12. You know, they started off years ago. I think Cal and Stanford, you know, they were there from the beginning, I believe. Uh, 1915, I believe that's when it started. That's a long time ago, you know, with the big – the big whatever they called it. I think it was the big five back then. And then went for the big six and then the Pac-8. And I think that's when OJ was there. And then the Pac-10, as we already know, and then the Pac-12, what it ended up being now before it deteriorated down to what we have now. And how does this, uh, with the Big Ten getting all of the teams as they have, and now they're at 18 or will be at 18, the SEC will be at 16 when Texas and Oklahoma comes in. How does this affect the supremacy, which is true, of the SEC. I don't know that it will. It's, you know, Georgia and Alabama, they, they're still recruiting, getting top recruits uh, from across the nation. Um, they're not going to give up their, their spots willingly, you know. But, you know, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, they're highly ranked this year. But as I mentioned in past shows, they play each other. So one of them is going to have at least one loss. So probably that would knock one of them out of the playoff right there. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure what the Big Ten's plan is. I, I heard they're going to have no divisions. 
That's going to be interesting. How are they going to determine conference champions? If you have two undefeated teams, is there going to be a championship game? Is it going to be a scheduled championship game between number one and number two? Um, You know, we have to see how it all shakes out. But I don't see why the Big Ten doesn't go after Cal and Stanford. Why not just keep all try and get all those teams? You know, UCLA and USC, they're they're the natural rivals, so you want to keep them together. Mm -hmm. Same thing for Cal and Stanford. They're big-time rivals. Splitting them up wouldn't make sense for for either school. You know, they want to play each other. So wherever one goes, I'm sure the other one's going also. Yeah, I can see how they don't need divisions. They can have a round robin. You'll get more desirable matchups sometimes. You know, sometimes if you're in separate divisions, you don't play each other but once every year or every other year. Uh, maybe even three years, depending on how big the conference is. So, yeah, I think the traditional rivalries will stay. I think some people who are traditional college football fans and they love the camaraderie and the rivalries, the long-standing rivalries, you know, like a Notre Dame and Michigan game, you know, those things will stay. USC playing Notre Dame, that will stay. UCLA, USC obviously will stay, you know, and it helps for recruiting as well. So, they're not just playing games for the heck of it. They're battling for the same players. They're moving their geography to where they can recruit even better. Well, they hope that's the case. But when you get a state like California, which is the largest state population-wise in the country, you already have a, a lot of players to pick from. I mean, Florida being the third largest state, Texas being the second largest state. I mean, you can almost see where the power shift is. And these teams like Alabama and Georgia, although a lot of homegrown talent, they love cherry picking the players which they probably need for their programs. And that gives them the ability to go to other states and just go after those top players as well. And the way they've had success, players don't have any problem going to those teams. And money wise, you know, it, it always comes down to dollars and cents. And the Big Ten with 18 teams, I mean, it looks like more money should be coming in than the SEC. But with Oklahoma and Texas being as big as they are money-wise, you know, it probably is a stalemate. But that money has to be used the correct way, recruiting, facilities, um, coaches, obviously, where a lot of that money is coming from. I don't think at this moment, at least, the Big Ten has an edge over the SEC because, well, just geographically, even though we thought it didn't matter, these players geographically are concentrated in the South when it comes down to football up north in the Midwest in particular. Ohio's probably the state in which you look at to get your top players. Other states have players, but not in the volume of Ohio. Whereas you in, 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 the, in the South, you have Alabama, you have Georgia, you definitely have Florida. And then you have the state that puts out the most players in the NFL per capita, Louisiana. I mean, and then Mississippi throws a few in there, then Tennessee throws in, then even Kentucky. So yeah, this still going to be ripe land to recruit from and the sec can stay a top uh, stop top conference super conference because of it i think if the big 10 is going to eventually have an advantage it'll be from the tv markets yeah uh, and tv contracts you know they that's why they went after rutgers uh then you know get the new york uh crowd they have chicago pretty much with so many midwest teams if they ever got Notre Dame, it would be a wrap. Um, yeah. But now getting USC and UCLA, they have the LA market. Those are the three largest markets in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. So their teams are going to be all over the television. 
and you know kids watch games on TV. So if they're going to do it, that'll be how they do it. Yeah, it's going to take some time because yeah, money's almost always the ultimate arbiter of what's going to happen. You know, moving up and going, you know, just being noticed. But the SEC, because of the championships, kids who are watching televisions in those small southern markets or even the medium southern markets, they're still going to see their southern brethren go into national championship games and then subsequently go into the NFL. You know, we've seen it with Georgia. We've seen it almost every year with Alabama and other southern schools. I mean, money-wise, it's going to be an, it's going to be something in which they're comparable. But I still think tradition and NIL made it a little bit more interesting because now that money really does matter in the light instead of under the table, which it might have been done in the past. You know, we know about the SMUs and all of the stories that have come out of the 70s and 80s and even before that. But right now it's right in people's right in people's minds, uh, right on the forefront that you can give or go after a player, pursue a player. And, um, and and money being the reason why they're going to come to you. No longer just loyalty because my mom went to this school or my father had gone to this school or I have a family tradition that loves this school. Dollars and cents is now making the decision for a lot of these kids. And in that regard, mm-hmm. the Big Ten, if they're on even keel, on an even keel with the SEC, that could be the ultimate arbiter. Yeah, time will tell. We'll just have to wait and see. Um I don't know. I, I'd be concerned if I wasn't uh, one of the power programs in the Big Ten. Um, they're gonna, they're going to take a lot of lumps, man. Yeah, they're going to take a lot of lumps, but they're also going to share in the revenue as well. You know, so I think that's helpful for them. And you know, you look at a school like I repeat against Northwestern. We're talking about the sports program when it's not in trouble, but under normal circumstances. I mean, academically, people are still going to go to Northwestern because of that. You know, they were down and out for years before they became a kind of sort of a name when they did go to the Rose Bowl against USC, I believe in uh, 95. So, I mean, that school's a bottom rung school, but you have a lot of top heavy schools there too, because it looks like Nebraska may be back. They are in the big 10 Michigan and Ohio state. I mean, they're going to have something to say about at least a playoff spot. I don't necessarily think about a championship right now because you know, they're missing quarterbacks. Well, Michigan has their quarterback, but I don't think he's a championship caliber quarterback. But, you know, I think that they have a, a lot of teams in there that can battle, even a middle-tier team with P.J. Fleck in Minnesota making noise in the Big Ten. I mean, they have some teams there, but I don't think that the SEC has much to worry about as it goes with the Big Ten, at least not right now, with the Big Ten bringing in these Pac-12 teams. Because USC was the last champion from the Pac-12 to win a championship, that was 2004, and the last time a team west of Baton Rouge won a championship, that was Texas in 2005. And so and Texas is coming to the SEC. So I don't think there's any real threat. I mean, Washington and Oregon had gotten opportunities, and they kind of as stage left too when it came down to playing in the championship game or going to a playoff. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, SEC, they, they've been uh, – they have more experience with money, you know, yeah, recruiting down there. Yeah, well, as long as they have the talent, <laughs> as long as they have the talent pool they have in the South. I mean, luckily for me, here in the state of Florida, which I believe is the number one state in the country, I'm not a Florida native. I just go by what I've seen. 
and I've gone around the country and I've checked out a lot of high school balls over the decades. And I've come to the conclusion, I think a lot of schools have as well, that the state of Florida is the number one state in the entire country. When it comes down to high school football, it's not a slight against anybody else. Those high school players ultimately become college football players. And if you look at just Miami, Florida, state of Florida, we're talking about 11 national championships over the last 40 years. That should speak for itself. Texas, which is the flagship team out in the state of Texas, one championship. And USC, a couple of championships. And we're talking about in the last 40 years. So anyways, well, that's just a little food for thought. About, what, 70, 80% of those rosters coming from their, whatever their home state is, probably even more so with Texas because Texas fans and natives are just so into the Texas football culture. But either way, you know, I don't think right now at least the SEC has anything to worry about. And if they did have something to worry about, it would be uh, more expansion by the Big Ten because that may need that may lead to the SEC having to do the same thing. And the only team I see out there that's really worth it would be Florida State from the ACC. But that would have to fracture first. And with Florida State's complaining over the last couple of weeks about their share of the pie with the revenue, hey, they may get their um, get their wish either their money or they can just leave because the Big Ten may want them and the SEC may need them. Yeah, they'll have to pay a, a hefty price, though, to, to go to the oh, Big yeah. Ten or, or any <laughs> oh, other yeah. conference for that matter. $120 million exit fee. Yeah. I don't care who's, <laughs> who's spitting that money. <laughs> man, you might have to ask him to do the installments, man. <laughs> Put that that, that or, or ask the Big Ten schools to chip in. You know what? That you want us? Big you big want us help us pay this bill? But why would they help them chip in if they're going to be beating up on them and putting them further down the totem pole? <laughs> you know what? Everybody's going to benefit with the money. <clears throat> Wins and losses matter, but money matters even more. So regardless, but college football, as we've spoken about, and now that the college football season is practically here, we're on top of it. And if you want more of that college football, we'll be here for it for the remainder of the season. As you know, other sports are going on as well. And the NFL is one of those sports. Football, once again, football as a whole is back. Not just college ball. We have NFL ball. Hey, here in Florida, high school football is starting up very soon. So we got a lot going on. But when we're talking about the NFL, we're talking about, well, the Dallas Cowboys. By the way, uh, as of today, I believe the most valuable team in all of sports on the planet, $9.5 billion, I believe, they're worth. And I think that went up only because of the, of the Washington Redskins sale price. Yeah, I, I think I know where you're going. Um, so I'll just jump ahead. Dak Press, Prescott was talking about he wants to limit his uh, interceptions this year. Last week, the wide receivers were working with him to help him avoid interceptions. And then I believe uh, either today or, or yesterday, he threw three interceptions. You might want to get the DBs to help him now. <laughs> they are helping him. They're trying to make him a better player. Um, <laughs> They're picking him I, off, telling him, yo, yo I don't know. I mean, it, it's practice. It wasn't a game. You know, they, they still have a few weeks until the, the season starts. People can have a bad practice, but I just think it's hilarious. Last week they're they're working with him, trying to help him avoid interceptions, and it, it didn't seem to pay off. Man, he put himself on the spot. I'm not going to throw more than ten interceptions this year. Well, you would hope your goal would be not to throw any interceptions, as impossible as that sounds, because the plays is just too good. 
But I hope this might be a case of you're playing against your own players. They get to see these same players over and over in practice. So they kind of get to jump on the jump on the routes and they kind of know what you're doing. You would like to believe that's the case and hope that when they play someone else, when it's not a vanilla offense from the preseason, that when they're playing someone who's really trying to win, that is not going to be as bad. But Dak Prescott, he's not the only one having his problems, man. Jimmy G's having his problem. He's throwing seven yeah, interceptions. What's going on with him? I don't know. And it's funny because uh, I was talking about Dak at work, and one of my friends said, you know, I think Kirk Cousins threw seven interceptions. I was like, really? Seven? I said, you would think he'd get pulled after the fourth or fifth one. But then uh, come to find out it was Jimmy G. And um, I, I don't know. I had, I think I told you, I said, wouldn't it be crazy if Jimmy G turns the Raiders around and, and they win like 10 games this year? And after after him throwing seven picks in practice, it would be more than crazy. It would be ridiculously insane. I'll go back to I hope that this is one of those things where the defense is so familiar with what they're doing <clears throat> they they kind of know where the ball is going after all these days. You know, it gets to a point, and you've coached football before. It gets to a point where you see the same people all the time. You kind of get tired of seeing them. That's why they have fights in camp, because you get tired of seeing them. You want to see some new blood so you play preseason games or even have a scrimmage so that you can beat on somebody else. I think it could be that. That could be the case, because we've in, in, in Jimmy G's career and even Dak Prescott's career – We've never seen them as turnover machines. Now, it can happen at any point in their career, but it just happens to be the preseason or in training camp, and you would like to believe that if something like that is going to happen, it happens during training camp. It doesn't happen when it's important and it matters during the regular season or even just the preseason. Let it happen there. Correct your mistakes. Go back to the drawing board and try to get better before the regular season counts. So I think for Jimmy G, they they attributed his bad day to uh, being in a new system, which I, I could see. However, <laughs> are you throwing to open receivers or is the guy blanketed? I mean, seven interceptions? That's a lot of interceptions. all the plays, but you see the field. Oh, that guy's covered. I better not throw it to him. Oh, that safety's sitting on that route. I better not throw it to him. Uh, come on, man. You got to make better decisions. Well, you know, the best next the next best thing to talk about will blend the receivers, but then that will cause dissension <laughs> on the team. Yo, you're not getting separation. Open. I can't you're find it. separation. I don't have any mm -hmm. windows. You don't have any separation. That's the reason yeah, why. But I'm then, but then you have people who say, well, uh, the great quarterbacks throw their receivers open. So yeah. throw them open. Throw them open. It sounds simpler when you're watching it on television or watching it from the crowd. <laughs> But when you're out there and seeing, I say the, the great receivers. I meant the great quarterbacks. The great quarterbacks. You know, you know, I, I've always thought, you know, years ago when you're little and you watch football on television, you believe that you can do it. You have a little bit of talent, but that's just for your block. But you don't know it yet because you're young and dumb. And then you get older and you see how fast these players are, and you're watching it from the stands. Like, man, these players are pretty fast. But I had the benefit over the years to get on the sidelines during a game and watch these guys play. And that's when you come to Jesus and say, well, we all aren't created equally. <laughs> There's no way in hell, no matter how hard I tried, I would have been on the same field with these guys. They're that good. They're that fast. The windows are a lot smaller. You know, you look at something like the SEC and you look at the talent level there and you're like, that's as close to the NFL as you're going to get without being in the NFL. But then you go to the NFL and the windows are even smaller. 
the mistakes you can't make. And the next thing you know, the ball's going the other way as these guys are finding out with their seven interceptions and that's three interceptions. And now Baker Mayfield joining in with his seven interceptions as well down in Tampa. They're looking for a replacement for Tom Brady and he and Kyle trashed their second round draft pick from 2021 out of Florida, who supposedly was going to be the future of the, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, still may be the case. Coach says right now that, well, we have a, uh, we haven't gotten a starting quarterback. We have two starting quarterbacks. What's the old saying? If you have two starting quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Yeah, that, that's not a good situation. You know, you can have a running back by committee, but you cannot have a quarterback by committee. No way. So they need to get that ironed out. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. They, they need to get that worked out. Talent-wise, I think Kyle Trask can eventually develop into that quarterback. Luckily for him, he had the luxury of sitting around for two seasons behind Tom Brady. And the one thing about playing behind someone like Tom Brady is you didn't have to worry about getting forced into the fire, even as a second-round draft pick. If Tom Brady would have thrown seven picks in one game, no one would have been crying for Kyle Trask to get his opportunity. But Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, he's now become a journeyman quarterback. The number one pick overall in the NFL draft started off in Cleveland went to the Carolina Panthers, went out to the Rams, got himself a game ball, but it all ended there. That was the peak of his career. He got a game ball for doing better than they thought he would have done. Now he's in Tampa, and, well, he might get beaten out. I mean, now that Russell Wilson years ago has done it as a third-round draft pick coming into the NFL when I did not think he had a chance to start, and he started, won a Super Bowl, was in another Super Bowl. Well, Kyle Trask, not to say that that would happen, I think he's ready to – Get his lumps. He sat behind Tom Brady for two years. I don't think he needs to sit behind a Baker Mayfield to figure out what else needs to go wrong. They're probably in the same boat. Yeah, you know, we got to see how the coaches feel about it. Maybe they, they don't feel he's ready. Why did they bring in Baker Mayfield? If they thought he was ready, um, you probably bring in somebody else who's uh, more of a journeyman backup. Not a guy who thinks he, he still can play. Like Mitch Trubisky or somebody like that. <laughs> oh, for real, this guy. He, he's like the quintessential journeyman now. But Why, why you got to bring up Mitch, man? You know I'm a Bears fan. Oh, well, you know what? Hey, I remember him at North Carolina. I don't take, I don't take shots at, at your Jets quarterbacks who, you know, they're, oh, I have oh, some oh, ammunition. Oh, 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 it's a thing of the past, though. If you want to go, I got some ammunition. Oh, bro, we can go. I mean, we <laughs> Mitchell Bisky's not with Sanchez this. and the butt fumble. Oh, we, we already know about Mark, Mark Sanchez. I didn't want him. I remember going. I didn't to want Mitch. I'm just saying we shouldn't be talking about him. Because <laughs> I remember going to the draft and fans telling me as I'm covering this draft that he was going to be a great quarterback, and I was like, "There's no way." And well, it turned out that way. The Jets had an excellent defense. They just happened to have him at quarterback as they carried him. But yeah, that's the Jets, and we'll eventually get back in touch with them because with Aaron Rodgers being there. Why not talk about the Jets? But it's crazy. You know, Rodgers went from in the news all the time in Green Bay saying this, saying that. He's been awfully quiet in New York. What? You know, I don't know. He's been saying a lot of things. In well, New other York than, than him standing up for Hackett, but I, I don't see him on the on talking too much. Well, I don't know because I'm part of the not part of the Jets beat in terms of officially covering the Jets, but just being a Jets fan and keeping my ear to the ground for those kinds of things. I mean, he's been in the news since he got to New York. 
I mean, saying and, and it looks like a lot of the things okay, that he said. Okay, the national news. Yeah, it looks like well, New York news is national news. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he takes he says like cheap shots against Green Bay. You know, I'm just glad I'm here. You know, saying I'm, these are like the best fans, bro. You just had Green Bay fans. They're known as being some of the best fans. New York fans, they can be great fans, but they're whiners most of the time. Green Bay fans don't whine like that. But you know, he, going to the Rangers games, going to the Knicks games, his face is everywhere, and people are just you he's know, a diva. Well, that's a California quarterback for you. What do you expect? But yeah, but we'll get a chance to talk about him and the Jets, and if they crumble as usual, et cetera, et cetera. Because another player who's out there looking to get an opportunity, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Now he's been with Cleveland for the past four years. He's now looking for another opportunity. The New Orleans Saints wanted him around because, as we know, Alvin Kamara will be out for the first three games. Well, they thought they could get him. And the Colts, and we've spoken about them, they want him. They actually offered more money. And with this Jonathan Taylor saga going on between he and Jim Irsay, wow, this is a slap in the face if he pays more money to the guy that's coming in. Not more than what he's probably, what Jonathan Taylor's asking for, but the fact that he wants a certain amount, but this guy's willing to pay more than what the New Orleans Saints were offering. Yeah, I think at this stage of Hunt's career, he needs to go for the money, uh, especially when running backs are, are getting kind of blackballed. Uh, he's got a better <laughs> offer. He needs to take it, whether he he doesn't like uh, Ursa or whatever. He he needs to take he needs to take that money, man. He doesn't have a, a lot of years left, so he needs to take what he can get. Yeah. Well, the running back position at least has extended his lifetime. You know, his, his lifetime, in which it used to be two to three years. Now, when we had done the research, I think it's five to six years. And I think this is more conducive the way things are going with running backs right now. They're not being utilized the way they once were. Um, you get somebody like Derrick Henry, who's still used as a workhorse running back, but that's far and few between now. I mean, Zeke Elliott can't even find a job right at this moment. I mean, I'm thinking somebody will bring him in, but he'll be sharing the load too. He won't be the premier guy. He wasn't even the premier guy with Dallas last year. So, but I mean, Kareem Hunt, he's still a serviceable running back. I mean, he did over, what, 1,200 yards, 1,300 yards when he was with Kansas City. And, you know, we saw the incident, what happened, or heard about the incident. incident. What we saw, he kicked a woman, you know, battery. And that's the reason why Kansas City let him go. With the Cleveland, been pretty quiet there for four years. And now he's looking at these opportunities. The Saints want him. They thought that he'd be a good piece, an addition for their team. And um, so far, Indianapolis offered the big money or bigger money. And he may just end up there. But he's going to be getting into a running back room that's going to be a little sultry. I mean, come on. Imagine being Jonathan Taylor. And even though... Kareem Hunt might not be getting paid the same amount that you're getting paid for the amount that he was offered. It looks like it was deliberately, the decision was deliberate to give him more than what he was being offered by New Orleans to come to Indianapolis as if Indianapolis has a huge running back problem instead of a running back problem because Jonathan Taylor's injured and nursing an ankle. And he's been out of practice. So I'm wondering, is that really out of practice or you're still upset? Players can do that if they want it. Yeah, are they trying to send a message to uh, Taylor? You know, Ursay's a nut. Who knows what's going on up there or down there for me? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Taylor cannot be happy about it. 
even if he doesn't sign with the coach, just the fact that they offered him money. Um, yeah. He, he, you know, he's going to have a lot of questions, but he yeah. should let his, his agent handle it. Um, you know, try and stay away from that off the field stuff. I, I mean, I know he wants his money, but um, if he's distracted, it's it's going to hurt him on the field. Yeah, but well, and I think so. And you said Jim Irsay just playing it all wrong, and it seems as if he doesn't care. He's, I don't know, would you call him a head case right now? I don't know if we'll go that far because you can't blame CTE for what he's going through, but he's just said a lot of dumb things over the decades, not just now. And um, the latest thing that he had said when it came down to Jonathan Taylor about if you weren't here, if I weren't here, things would continue to go on, something to that effect. You know, that's never going to help. Everyone's you know, replaceable. Situation settled. Yeah, everyone's replaceable. Yeah, everyone's which, replaceable. Which may be a fact, but you don't say it. You know what I mean? Pick your spots. Be smart about it. You didn't get this wealthy by saying dumb things or doing dumb things. Maybe saying dumb things, but not doing dumb things. This is said and done stupidly, and that's yeah, where they what, are with him right his, now. Wasn't his father the wealthy one? Yeah, well, yeah. You know how that family money goes. If your father had it, and I guess if you're part of the football team or own a franchise, well, you now have it. Even though you may not deserve it, may deserve it, you end up with the team and continue to share that huge revenue that comes in every year. And speaking of huge revenue, well – the Washington Redskins were sold for a whole bunch of money, as we we're talking about. I think it set the market to where we just spoken earlier about the Dallas Cowboys being worth over $9 billion now, the most valuable sports franchise on the planet. But along with these Washington commanders as they are right now, Eric Bieniemy, the former offensive coordinator from the Kansas City Chiefs, has himself two Super Bowl rings. He, go, he wasn't renewed, by the way. He goes to the commanders. And they're complaining about how tough he is in practice. Give us some light on this. Why do grown men complain? Do they not want to win? Yeah, I don't know what the actual complaints are. Uh, Ron Rivera said that they had concern about his intensity. Ron Rivera said, well, go talk to him. Um, <laughs> I guess he's trying to say there's a chain of command or something. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure Ron maybe after practice had had a couple words with Eric um who knows what he told him hey whip these guys into shape who cares if they're whining or hey maybe he's back I, I don't know but you would think grown men <laughs> that've been playing football for so long would kind of be used to intensity you know may I don't know if it was veterans or younger players maybe the vets are, are like hey hey it's early August, coach. We're not, you know, we're not ready for all that. You know, he's take the foot off the gas. <laughs> who, who, I don't know. It's just funny. Why, why go to the head coach? Hey, coach, uh, can you get your boy over here? <laughs> can, you I, your, I don't know, man. can you take your dog back, man? Keeps coming after me. See, I think <clears throat> there's so many layers to this because Eric Bieniemy is coming from the Kansas City Chiefs, who've won two Super Bowls over the past several, a couple of years. And now he's coming to an organization, which is a proud organization with his own championships way in the past, who haven't done much of anything in recent history. In fact, you know, they won the division at one point with seven wins. I mean, they haven't even been at eight wins until this year, I think eight years previous. And so these are people who are used to either underachieving or not doing well at all. 
you bring a championship mindset to them, they don't know how to respond. Now, there's another part of this that could be the Coughlin effect to where you do know how to, to coach and you are a great coach, but you don't know how to convey your message the proper way. So like Tom Coughlin did when he went to the Giants, you go to the team leaders, you convey your message to them, have them filter it to the rest of the team, and then you start your communication there until everyone is on the same page, and then you all start conversing. I think that's what Eric Bien is doing right now, but it also kind of lends itself to why he wasn't given opportunities to be a head coach when you started hearing stories like, you know what, some of his players didn't like him. There might have been a little bit of back and forth between him and Holmes and things like that. And in some other cases, he's not even the guy that should get the job as offensive coordinator or even get the credit that an offensive coordinator deserves because you do have Pat Mahomes. And it was Andy Reid making the calls and not necessarily him. So there's a lot there. We're, we're living in different times from, you know, from when we were coming up. Players oh, yes, nowadays absolutely. have different mentalities and, you know, they're, they're the timeout generation. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, while you were talking, I was reminded of uh, what Mike Dicker told the Bears when he came to town. He's like, we're going to win the Super Bowl, but some of you are not going to be here when we win it. <laughs> and I, I think Eric Bieniemy may not be saying that, but that's pretty much his intention. Like, you're going to either get on board or you're not going to be here. And I can't fault him for that. As you mentioned, you know, they're – they're, they've been a mediocre team. He's coming from a championship uh, franchise, and you, you would think guys would want to buy in. Yeah. But that being said, he could be over the top intensity wise too. You know, the, you got to walk a fine line. He may need to tone it down, or there may be a, a better way to get certain messages across. Yeah, I think once again, we can talk about the reasons why, why he may not have gotten previous head coaching jobs when he was available <clears> to get him. And now we're talking about, and I remember even after leaving Kansas City when his contract wasn't renewed and people were asking about what's, what's next, and he ends up getting a coordinator job, an offensive coordinator job. Now with the commanders, he was like, hey, we'll just see what happens this season, and then we're going to see what happens. You know, we're going to do what we got to do this season, then we're going to see what's happening. In other words, he was saying, you know, I'm expecting to be a head coach next year. Now, he might be pushing it a little bit too hard, trying to get that head coaching job, trying to prove something. At the same time, a culture of losing is probably harder to change around than we're probably noticing or expecting. Yeah. Growing pains, man. Growing pains. You come into a mediocre situation or maybe the the culture is negative it's tough to turn it around until you you get your people in there you know that that makes a big difference when you have your guys uh right now those those players probably are not his guys so there's gonna be mm -hmm. some friction well these are professionals you would expect them to kind of fall in line but these are these are pampered professionals now this is Bill Parcells. We talked about it, I think, last week or one of these episodes. Bill Parcells couldn't coach today. You know, he would get, he'll get canceled in the NFL because the way he had spoken to his players, the way he had his certain group of Parcells guys and other people would have felt left out and they might have gone to Twitter or they might have gone to some other social media medium and said something about it. And Bill would not, been, would not have been having it. Jimmy Johnson, 
probably couldn't coach today with the NFL being the way it is. You have to coddle these players a lot more than you once did. I mean, Bill Parcells let Lawrence Taylor do what the hell Lawrence Taylor wanted to do because on Sundays or Mondays or whenever they did play, you know what you were going to have and what you were going to get from him. Because he still did what he wanted to do. He he did more than you wanted him to do. No, no, Lawrence did what he wanted to do on the field. LT just made his own playbook. Parcells just agreed and disagreed. And when the plays were made, Parcells just enjoyed the, the victory. You know, but players today, it's just not like that. For the great players and the not so great players, you know, this entitlement age that we're in, you can't reprimand anyone, even when they're wrong. You can't say it the right way or the wrong way. You know, you're walking on eggshells because these players get paid a whole lot more than you do anyway. You know what I mean? Eric Bieniemy is a big name because he came from Kansas City. And, you know, he comes with a reputation. And even with that reputation, he said, I'm always going to be loud and vocal. That's what he said, because that was part of the intensity that they were talking about with him talking to teams of players. And he may have to understand how players work. He, he's been in a locker room. We've seen him play. I mean, he played in Colorado. He played with the Bengals as a running back. We've seen him play, and he's always had that intensity, even back then. And so um, he may have to change because of these types of players, because if they continue to see this and these kind of reports continue to come out, it's a bad look for him if he even does well next season and goes on the interview circuit and tries to get a head coaching job. Yeah, but if he's just loud and vocal, you know, you got how many players out there on the field? Um, the guy you're talking to may be on the other side of the field. You have to be loud and vocal. There's a reason why they have whistles. You know, if, if you're having a scrimmage and coach says stop, they gonna coach says, oh, they're going to hear the whistle. You have to be loud on the football field. Oh, yeah, I, I, I understand man. that part. I, I don't, I don't want to trash – I don't want to trash the, the the generation. I mean, you said it. You have to coddle them, whatever. Yeah, it's unfortunate that you have to coddle them. In a game like football, which has always been hard-nosed, the toughest of the toughest, testosterone flowing everywhere, you know, it was acceptable. Now, I understand for health reasons, you don't do what you used to do and you deprive people from water and you didn't give them breaks and people passing out on Something like in college with the Junction Boys, people damn near died. Yeah. And you take praise, you know, you praise it. You know, I know you can't have that in the NFL right now. The Players Association wouldn't have it. But I don't think the, the intensity they're talking about is someone drowning him out with a whistle so he has to speak up. I'm thinking he's going to a player. That's not what I said. Cursing him out. Cursing the player out, possibly. Or calling him something, you know. Now, I just can't. I just don't know any other way. I don't know. I mean, did, did the guy miss a block three plays in a row? Did he deserves to get yelled at if, if that's what happened? You, we don't know the circumstances. No, so I'm not. I'm not going to judge him. But I, I'm not going to say the players are wrong either. I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm just saying, it, you're playing. You're getting paid to play a kid's game, man. Yes. If, if if your coach yells at you. All right, fix your mistakes, work to get better, go home, enjoy your fucking life. Stop whining. Well, you know how it goes. I mean, things are the way they are right now. And with Eric Bieniemy, the results are going to count when the regular season starts. I mean, imagine if Washington wins like the first five games and their offense actually looks like something. You know, Eric Bieniemy is going to get credit. You know what I mean? Regardless of who the star of the offense is, he's probably going to get credit for whipping these guys into shape when. 
giving them direction <laughs> and bringing that championship pedigree to the Washington Commanders. He's going to get the credit. We'll get a chance to see first and foremost how it works out. If they get another 8-1 eight, eight season, well, not a job well done. You're pretty much stagnating, just a bunch of talk. And then you don't get a – well, that's if he doesn't get a head coaching job after this. But Eric Bieniemy may have to be the one to change because things are different now coaching in the NFL. And as far maybe as he does change that, and he, he he gets better for it. You know, maybe he, he goes to the guys or the guys go to him to talk to him as Rivera suggested. And he says, okay, well, tell me how I can get better. If they tell him he works on it, maybe maybe they'll be better off for it. Well, if he's going around saying, I'm loud and vocal and I'm always going to be, <laughs> they don't want to go talking to a Tasmanian devil when they need to know something or they believe they need to know something. Well, I'm closed sure mouth he, doesn't get fed. So, I mean. That's true, you, too. You either got a problem or you don't. Well, an 8-8-1 eight eight team that doesn't that didn't live up to expectations last year. Actually, they exceeded expectations, in my opinion. But we'll get a chance to see that as the season continues to go on. You know, there are other things going on in the NFL. And even former NFL players like Richard Sherman possibly <laughs> joining Skip Bayless. What's your opinion on Skip Bayless and Richard Sherman getting together for his, well, show? I got to give Skip credit. This is someone who, who, you know, took him to school in the past, uh, basically humiliated him. Mm-hmm. And for his, they're going to be on the show. Uh, is it that's his that's his host permanently? I don't know. Or, or, like, yeah, you know what? I know they're supposed to make special appearances or whatever, but um, I give Skip credit because if he gets out of line, Sherman already showed he had no problem putting Skip in his place. Yeah, we're talking about another Stanford grad there and, and Sherman, so it's not like he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. He can articulate his thoughts. He's willing to go at you with his thoughts. And if you want to go tick for tap, because sometimes I believe Skip thinks he's above athletes. I think he is because he's dying to be an athlete himself. And this is someone who could hold his own. And, you know, you mentioned Ryan Clark in the past. That's another one who could hold his own against someone trying to go back and forth and on occasion trying to slide in a little degrading tactics in there. But, yeah, Richard Sherman, I think that would be a good matchup if those two can get together. You know, you're doing it for the eyeballs and the ears if you have a podcast for it. You know, you want to see not necessarily the train wreck. If the train wreck is going to happen, you want to see Richard Sherman wreck Skip Bayless. You're not really looking for it to be the other way around. Yeah, I mean, but seeing as how Richard took him out the last time, what could Skip do to take Sherman out? If he gets personal, then you know Sherman. You know where Sherman's going. Yeah, uh, like Jalen Rose, what he mentioned, he averaged one point three points per game or something, whatever. I mean, he, he Skip he did it with Shannon too. It's, Skip can get personal. Oh, he can. And if he gets personal with Sherman, Richard's not going to have any problem going back at him. It could See be that. interesting. I don't know. I don't know Phil what how long his contract is for if it's a, a year two years <laughs> a month um, if it's a year i don't know if it'll last man Those make a guys, cameo i think they're going to clash man especially on football because i could i could just see sherman like shaking his head rolling his eyes like this dude doesn't know what he's talking about you know what i mean uh other sports may have the advantage i don't know 
how much Sherman paid attention to other sports growing up or, or yeah. while he was in the NFL. But it should be good TV. Hey, he's coming around at the right time because they're going to be talking about football, and I'm sure not only NFL football, they're going to talk about college football. And when the NBA come around, comes around, a lot of NBA or NFL players, they kind of know about the sport. I mean, NBA players speak about football on occasion. They don't necessarily talk about the X's and O's. They can kind of tell you about the lifestyle of the player and the things they may be thinking as a higher-level competitor. And football players do the same with NBA players. I mean, you know, so with Shannon Sharp, he talked a lot about basketball. You already know how that goes down. And um, so Shannon Sharp, you know, known as a football player, was a football player, Hall of Fame football player. He talked about football. He talked about basketball a lot. And he was able to even broach baseball on occasion. Skip Bayless is a professional journalist. All right. So when they, when, even when they mention his one point, whatever points a game, it really has not much to do about nothing. You know, he could just eat it because then you look at the accolades and the thing he's done as a journalist, as a professional. You speak about them in their professional light. You speak about him in his professional light. He's done some things, love him or not. He's done a lot to be around this long and still be relevant. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he come. He probably was the inventor of the hot take. Say some yeah. crazy shit so people will talk about it. <laughs> and they're still doing it. You know, so and they're still waiting around for his next co-host. So that I'm, can't, he's staying relevant. He's doing the right thing. You know, whatever the whoever their PC or their public relations department people are or his, you know, they're doing a good job keeping him relevant, trying to bring in the big names that they believe are going to bring the eyeballs to their show or his show. You know, and we'll just have to wait and see how that goes down. And you know, before we get to your 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 hot take, well, your example of a hot take, your hit list. You know, we could talk about um, something we probably should have talked about when we were talking college football. Uh, Georgia, um, you know, this past offseason after the national championship game, there was an accident in which a player and a recruiting staffer were killed. And one of the staffers who were not killed, she was fired from Georgia after she decided to file a lawsuit against Georgia. Georgia is saying that she didn't want to um, cooperate with the internal investigation and she's pretty much just saying it's just retaliation for her filing her lawsuit. Do you have any opinions? I mean, this isn't even something you got to know even existed, but just going by the way they're going about it. Do you think this can be retaliatory or is this just, uh, could Georgia be right about this? I mean, it is a huge organization, huge school. I mean, if they're found wrong, there's a lot of money that can be paid out. Right. But you're asking me, could they be right or could they be wrong? Well, yeah, they could be right or they could be wrong. <laughs> Bro, we're getting to that fatigue part of the show. I'm just saying, that was the question you asked me. Could they be, could they be right? Yes. Could they be wrong? Yes. Um, they can't be both at the same time. But it, it's an unfortunate situation. Um, I just wonder if she didn't want to cooperate, why didn't she want to cooperate? But it, it's not like it was a criminal investigation or she was being questioned by authorities, you know? So, um, you, you know, if a policeman comes up to you and, and starts asking you questions, there's no law that says you have to help him in his investigation. So, so why why should she have to help Georgia? I don't know. Well, you know, you think because 
you would believe her and the uh, woman who had died, the recruiting staffer who had passed away, you know, was a female. The offensive lineman was the other one who passed away, who played for Georgia. You would think she would have that in mind and she would feel, I don't know, a bit of an obligation. But I understand how it works out, man. I mean, it's a traumatic circumstance and situation, how it had gone down. And, you know, it, it's going to be pretty contentious between the two when she's going, you know, she's suing them. And, um, you know, they fired her. So there's more to it. We're going to be hearing about a lot more of that as it continues to move on throughout the season, I'm sure. But we'll, you know, we'll be around and we will talk about it if something they, big comes it, out of it. Maybe it was policy where if there's a there's an incident, you have to report it or you have to give your, if you were there, you have to give your version of what happened. And if she refused to do that, well, then maybe they're justified in firing her. Yeah. What is she trying to hide? What is she trying to hide? Exactly. And then now we're going to find out if George is just being vindictive. That's what she's claiming, retaliation for her suing them. Once again, we'll figure it out. We'll get down to it. And it's unfortunate because two people died. I remember when it happened right after the national championship game. It was under pretty bad circumstances. There was drinking involved. There was speeding involved. Never a good mix. And two people lost their lives because of it. She was lucky as hell because she wasn't one of the people who has lost her life, but she has to live with that trauma. Now, even more now that she'll have to go to court and deal with this issue. And that kind of brings me to one of our final things. Uh, Taj Boyd, an offensive lineman for Liberty University, passed away from a suicide. You know, I know initially when people probably heard, for those who have heard that he passed away, they probably thought about the, the jab or something COVID-related. This was a suicide. Obviously, they don't know why yet. They're probably still investigating, trying to get to a conclusion. And incidentally, Taj Boyd is from Virginia. But from what I can understand or from what I found, he's not related to former Clemson quarterback Taj Boyd. So that's just, I guess, a popular name. But never I, I just hope that it, there wasn't hazing involved or oh, bullying yeah, yeah. or something Good like point. that. You know, Um prayers to his family man uh like i said i just hope it, it wasn't caused uh by mental mental stress placed on him by others or something you know what i never even thought about that as i was going through this whole thing because man we've talked about it just for the short time we've been on how many instances has it been where we're talking about a player dying or an athlete dying and then we're talking about what happened at Northwestern with all of the hazing that was going on there and all of the other things that have been going on. I mean, we know how hazing can be in college. We're talking even with bands. A lot of the HBCUs had issues with bands and hazing. So now hopefully that's not what's going to happen. Ultimately, they'll get to some type of conclusion and make it known. But another young man at 19 years old going into his freshman season, passes away from suicide we probably will never know but i hope there's some kind of closure and knowing something because it may be able to help the next person liberty university I mean, <clears throat> Orwell's founded that school the former televangelist founded the school it's a christian-based school as you probably may or may not know they had success in football you know over the past several years and but either way this is a sad story i just thought it something it was something that we certainly need to uh, know about and the reason why i even say that because a player who actually did live and is a prominent player johnny manzel johnny football has talked about in a netflix series i haven't watched it yet i've only read about these things that he had contemplated suicide 
And that was the reason for going crazy and spending as much money as possible, being as bad as he could possibly be, because he wanted to justify to himself that he deserved to take his own life. That's a crazy notion, but you never know what's going through these people's heads as thousands and even hundreds of thousands, if not from home, millions of people watch them on television thinking they're having the time of their life. Yeah, that that's crazy. Um, good luck to him. Hopefully he's passed those those thoughts and urges, um, maybe getting it off his chest is therapeutic for him and he's in a better place. So good luck to him. Yeah, I've always liked him. I don't know. I don't remember when everyone was just disliking him, saying that he's not going to be anything in the NFL. One of the times I was definitely wrong. I thought he would have been a player in the NFL. I mean, I thought he would have been better here in Jacksonville, who had an opportunity at him. He ends up going to Cleveland. It didn't work out. He went gone. <clears throat> it didn't work out. It wasn't meant to be. But now he's getting this second opportunity to live life, and he's talking about it. He feels well enough with himself to be able to go public with it. And let's see how he just flourishes because of it. You know, he, he's always been in the public limelight since he's become Johnny Football and the Heisman Trophy winner. But now, hey, all eyes are still on him. He has some business endeavors that are opening up right now. And maybe that will be something that keeps him occupied and happy for the rest of his life. Let's hope that is the case. And that leads us to, you already know what it is. Buys his hit list. You already know how it's about to go down. So we're not going to surprise you. We're going to let that buy and surprise you. What's on the hit list today is all on you. Well, let me just go back to yesterday. Yesterday, I gave two birds to all Cleveland Guardians fans. I was wrong for that. I shouldn't have given them given the birds to all Guardians fans. It was intended for those who got pleasure out of seeing Tim Anderson drop, those who are making T-shirts, those who are talking crap, the minor league baseball team, that that are 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 uh, clowning him, you know. Ninety five percent of those players will never even sniff the grass of a major league field, yet they have the nerve to to uh, to clown Tim Anderson. And getting back to Ramirez, um, as I mentioned yesterday, he was upset because he got tagged too hard. He got tagged too hard on his butt, which means he was literally butt hurt. He was butt hurt. Come on, man. And then he whined about Tim Anderson being disrespectful. But he has no problem with Josh Naylor running around the bases when he hits a home run. Like he won the lottery like a madman. Ah! Or cradling the baby, staring at the pitcher uh, when he hits a home run. That's not disrespectful? Come on. Don't be a hypocrite. I, I could respect Ramirez if after after the fight he he told the media, look, I didn't appreciate how he tagged me. Things got out of control. He swung at me. I defended myself. I got a better one on him. Too bad. He shouldn't have started or he shouldn't have, he shouldn't throw punches. I could respect that. But to whine about how you got tagged, that's soft. Soft as hell. Now, my true hit list today is for Rick Hahn and Pedro Grafal. Rick Hahn responding to Kenyon Middleton saying that uh, the White Sox have uh, – Players falling asleep in the bullpen and the culture this, the culture that. You know what, Rick? Let him say whatever he wants to say. He's gone. Why are you going to play this game with him? You can't win. There's no reason to respond. And and Lance Lynn pretty much co-signed what he said. So now you're just lying. You're, you're lying. White Sox fans know that culture is bull crap. We know since you guys hired La Russa, 
the, that team has gone nowhere. They've been below 500. They won the division, but the second half of that year, they were a 500 team. That's why they got smoked by the Astros in four games. Pedro Grafal, they told us at the press conference, he's a, he's a man that's going to uh, have standards. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And then he comments that he saw problems in spring training, but he didn't address them. What are you doing? Well, you're coming in to fix something, and you don't even try to fix it. And then four months later, you talk about, yeah, I saw it, but I didn't try to fix it. What are you doing, man? Why do you have a job? Why does Han have a job? Why does Griffal have a job? Get them all out of here. And Jay Reisoff, sell the damn team already. I'm done. <laughs> well, there's the hit list. Hey, wait, 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 one more thing. If you think I'm biased because you see my name is biased, I just proved that I'm not biased. That's my nickname. I went at the Guardians and I went on my own team. You see the White Sox in the back. I'm not biased. I'm objective. I don't like hypocrites. And I'm going to call you out if you are one. Well, there we go. There's his hit list and more. And you'll get a chance to see that because we're going to cut that little snippet out just for you to enjoy. So the two or three minute rant that he had just gone on, we're going to make that a part of the show. Or we have already made it a part of the show and it will be there every day. So make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show to hear the rant and subsequent show. I'm Trav. He's biased. And as you can see with the Sports Bag Bros podcast, this is episode 39, not 38, as I mentioned earlier. Tomorrow should be 40. <laughs> and if I'm wrong matter. about that, we'll drink a 40. Matter. And I don't even drink alcohol. Go figure that out. The numbers don't matter. The Tune numbers in. Don't, yeah, the numbers don't matter. The information does. And I think we gave enough information for you today to, to enjoy your sports fix. Later. Peace.